Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, uh, and we have a very special guest this uh, this week. The first time anybody's come on my show and their role has changed from their first <laughs> to the last time, it is Jason Hinson, formerly the assistant coach for the Lebet Community College men's basketball team. He is now the head coach. Interim, can't forget that. <laughs> but but uh, he is the he is the new head coach of Labette Men's Basketball. They have the interim tag on him now. Uh, and but Jason, welcome back to the program. I think you were on about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. About that, yeah. And uh, good to have you back. And congratulations on the uh, on the new job. Uh, Jared Stanford took the job at Colby, and you get your opportunity here at Labette. You've you've had it for a little over a week now. Just what what's kind of running through your head right now? Um, it's a lot. A lot. Um, trying to sign kids, uh, trying to figure out budgets and, you know, do all the ancillary stuff that <laughs> no one thinks of that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's exciting. I'm ready to get going. Excited to have the kids on campus mm-hmm. here soon um, and excited to get going. So when it got announced that you were the new uh, uh, coach for the Labette men's basketball team, of all the people that reached out to you and said congratulations, I'm sure it was just a swarm of them. And you're appreciative of anybody. Is there anybody in particular that you had a conversation with that was maybe your favorite? My favorite? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Um, probably uh, probably my, 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 highest, my college buddy and the, uh, the guy I worked with first. Yeah. Um, he knew how excited I was to get his job and be able to have that conversation now, again, as peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, best friend almost half my life, but to talk again at the same level, it was kind of cool. Where's he at now? Uh, he's at uh, Cali. Okay, Cali the head coach at Cali. Head coach at Cali, yes. So, Very nice. So you play, so that was who you played last year. Yes, definitely. Yes. Very good. And uh, we we played him pretty much every year since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't won yet, so need those bragging rights back. Is that, that going to change? <laughs> um, we're going to try. We're going <laughs> to we're going to be ready to play. Yeah, I'm gonna, he'll probably hear this and have some bulletin board stuff. No, <laughs> he, he won't. But no, it, it'd be uh, exciting to play him. So. I'm excited about that. So, obviously, the, the most difficult thing I think you're dealing with right now is making sure you're filling your roster. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember the number off the top. I had seven players bolted. Seven, yes. Did they all go to Colby with Jared, or did um, they, or did or did seven just essentially decommit? Uh, one basically decommitted. Uh, okay. Six left with Jared, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. One I didn't have a relationship with at all. Um, I think he's going to go uh, to South Suburban or another. Another D two school, which you know, more power to you. I wish you the best, but yeah. My my thing was if a kid didn't want to be here for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, especially be my first year, it, I, I'm not gonna block you from going. I need someone that's all in. Yeah, uh, you know, just new. And, and I'm sure to a degree, it's path of least resistance in your first year too. Like, right, right. Pick your battles. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, one thing that so when you took over, how many players did you have on your roster at that moment that Obviously, nobody was on campus, so to speak. But if they were on campus, ready to go, how many could you field out there? Um, when she took the job, we had we had a full. We had seventeen. We were done recruiting. Okay, uh, everything was done. Um, the next day, we had seven scholarship players, I believe. So ten. Oh, seven scholarship players. Yes, and uh, I think two walk-ons. Uh, my first thing was I, I contacted everyone, make sure they were on board to you know come back. Uh, the guys I hadn't talked to really in depth, introduced myself and talked to the parents. Um, but my first thing I did was I took care of the kids um, that maybe were walking on or um, that weren't getting enough probably, uh, money that they thought they, they would have got. 
I took care of them first. Um, yeah. Just to, you know, establish that relationship here. You're with me. You're my guy. We got to have each other's back. So I'm going to take care of you first. And then from there, uh, I went and tried to fill out the rest of the roster. Uh, <coughs> in this, uh, in the week that you've had the job, how many have you got, how many of those seven have you replaced with uh, new, new commits? Um, and what was that process like just going and finding these kids? Cause it was the end of July. So it's hard to, there's no AAU tournaments at this point to go hit up or right. anything like that. How are you finding these kids? Um, I had relationships uh, with some other kids that I've been recruiting that um, I didn't maybe make an offer to, or they decided to go on the route. So I just touched base again. I went back to my list. Um, I reached out to coaches, uh, hit Twitter up. I went in my DMs. Uh, I've been everywhere. I've been scouring. Um, but I, I've been fortunate to find some some decent talent. Um, that I think that can help us out. I think I talked to you earlier. I said, I either want to take anybody, and that's not the goal, just to fill, fill a roster. You need someone that's yeah. still a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think I found. So I think we're, we're excited. I'm excited. I remember I got two or three more I can I can reach out to and think of fill, fulfill. Yeah. But, um, are you comfortable? Are you, you know, every coach is going to say yes because you're going to stick up for you guys, but are you comfortable the roster that you have this year will be competitive in the winter? Yes, I am. Um, I have three kids coming back that I know will compete for me, uh, compete for themselves and for the school. Um, the guys that um, – we recruited me and Jerry recruited together that are, are still committed here. They're going to help out a lot too. Mm-hmm. Got some older guys, which are going to help as well. Um, so I'm excited, you know, um, as long as we have five on the court, we're going to compete. That's, that's the main thing. So, so, and I asked you about this when we did a story for the newspaper, so I, I don't mean to hammer it down on you, but last season to me was, was a disappointment for a little bit men's basketball. And if you're honest with yourself, I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. I'm sure Jared would say the same thing. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you guys were coming off a conference championship, had four or five returning starters, including the conference MVP, and you win six games over the course of a regular season. Right. Uh, and I think all – did you beat any – you won one or two conference games, maybe, and the rest were against JVs. We beat a, we beat a D1. Um, we beat a State Fair at State Fair. That's right. Yes. That's right. Uh, regardless – how you <laughs> never mind um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever uh, don't. yeah <laughs> uh, point you know how do you when you when that season ended and you're just kind of sit and you I'm sure there were times where you're essentially just sitting around and you're reflecting on how last season went especially given the expectations what do you think went wrong and how do you correct that first thing I think it was a reflection um well, there's a lot of introspection uh, as coaches, me, myself, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, what did I not do? Um, I put a lot of that on, on myself. I'm sure Coach Stanford may put the same. Um, I didn't want I felt like at the, we let the kids down. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to have a system or, or something that, that puts them in the best position to win. Um, I don't think we did that for them, honestly, point blank, last year. Uh, we fought. We tried to do different things, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a, a stable enough, um, I think, environment basketball-wise for them to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of turnover, a lot of kids coming in late, a lot of kids leaving, um, having to change systems um, in the middle of the So season. you started with that Grinnell system and then right. you essentially got out of it right around break. Right. right. And, you know, the, 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 the analogy I gave you one time was you never got to, you never got to midseason. Right. You had two preseasons, essentially, and preseason and early seasons. You never got to that midseason. Why, what was behind the decision to get out of Grinnell? So, for listeners who don't know, they Labette men's basketball started last year with this system called Grinnell, where it was made famous by a, by a D3, I think, named mm-hmm. Grinnell, D2, D3 yeah. in the NCAA level. 
Uh, very essentially, very fast pace. Shoot a lot of threes. Those are if you, that that's the dumbed down version of what the system is for anybody. But that's not that far off of what it is. Right. Uh, the decision to get out of that. What was behind that? Uh, There's a lot of factors. Um, the main one was attrition. So the, with the system, you got to have a full roster. I'm talking probably 15. 18, 15 at least, but 18 to 20 kids that legit can play high minutes. Um, it's like a sub five in, sub five out kind of deal. Mm-hmm. The whole the thought of process is you play so hard that you can't play more than two minutes. And we get you next in and you get your breath and that group's tired and sub it in is a constant rotation. Yep. Uh, we lost some kids um, through a couple different factors. and we Which every Jugo does. It yeah. happens every year. Attrition is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, um, you have to shoot the ball really well. And we, last year, is probably the worst shooting team I've ever been a part of uh, mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and you had guys that on paper were good shooters either a year before or looked good in practice shooting the ball. Right, like right. It's, it's a hodgepodge of things. We, um, you know, our gym was being redone. We were in the gym for basically all preseason. We were mm-hmm. playing a rec center, and that three point line is the old high school three point line. So it's probably 15 <laughs> feet. So a lot of fools go with that. Um, you get into a real game, and <laughs> it's a lot different. Um, in that small gym, backdrops, a lot of things. And, we didn't have the opportunity to get a lot of shots up, and that just kind of, you know, snowfalled and and, mm-hmm. and got to a point where we couldn't shoot the ball at all. Do you feel like the fact that you switched systems midway through the year, what effect did that have? Even if it was the right decision, did did never getting to that midseason form is that kind of what was the hindrance? Right, and then the the kind of system and things we were, we were uh, doing the previous year that had success, mm-hmm. it kind of builds up, you know, to the end product, obviously. Uh, certain principles have to be um, more or less mastered or perfected to where you can add more stuff to it. Um, and to their credit, I mean, we everything we threw out and they tried to implement, they tried it the best they can do, but it wasn't a, a strong foundation um, mm-hmm. to be able to implement it and understand why we do some of the things we do. Um, but it, it, even being said, we were we were in a lot of games. Uh, a lot of times we had a, a great game plan going out, kids executed it, but they didn't know how to win. They didn't know what it took to withstand runs or withstand, you know, punches and from the uh, from the opposition, and we couldn't close out a lot of games that we had a chance to actually win. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hey, uh, Jason, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit talk a little more basketball in the summer. I love it. Can't, <laughs> can't tell, can't convince me to do anything else. Uh, we'll be right back here on the War Room with new Labette Men's Basketball Head Coach Jason Henson. Does it hear, feel good to hear that? Sounds really good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, we'll be right back with Labette Men's Basketball <laughs> Head Coach Jason Henson here on the War Room. I'm your host Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. We are back here on the War Room with on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, Labette men's basketball head coach, Jason Henson, in studio. Uh, Jason, one thing I was, uh, I'm was i kind of interested in is what kind of communication you've had with Athletic Director Aaron Keel and other administration officials about, because you expressed interest that you want that interim tag removed. You want to be the permanent head coach of Labette men's basketball. Obviously, Labette, they have to open up the job. I'm pretty sure it's by law. They have to open up the job and conduct interviews for it. Uh, and there's nothing stopping Bill Self from coming down here and interviewing for the job. He gets canned at KU for a bunch of NCAA violations. But I, I'm joking, no by the way. No K-State bias there, by the way. No K-State at bias all. whatsoever. <laughs> Jerome Tang, Bruce Weber, they're all saints. <laughs> right. But um, uh, how do you... What what is that process going to look like, at least from your perspective, in regards to the communication that you've had with it and chasing, trying to get that tag removed? Um, honestly, I'm not really sure. Um, it was expressed to me that to get this done and get us going, um, this was the fastest route to go and mm-hmm. the, the right way to go. And 
we want to do things the right way. We don't want to skip any steps, um, obviously. Um, but like I told you before, I this is my job right now, and I have a job to do. Mm-hmm. So whatever title you want to put on there, uh, at the end of the day, I'm on that first seat, and I, I'm, I'm in charge right now. So that's how I'm going to handle things until that's not the case anymore. Let's pretend I'm let's pretend I'm an LCC board member and we're conducting the your interview that I'm sure you're gonna undergo at some point to become the next permanent full time men's basketball head coach at Lebec Community College. My question to you is why are you the right man for the job? Um I've been here. Um I've been here six years. Um we've had success here. And um I, I, I have the, the support of the of the uh, the staff and faculty here, which has been a huge plus for me. Um, you know, I, I've played in a conference, I've played Juco Ball. I played against Lebet. Um, I understand the dynamics of, of of JUCO basketball and how things work, and um, I want to be here more than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a passion for it, uh, obviously, and I, it's the place I want to be. And I think we can have continued success here. Is your point? Is our program going to continue to have? Is I'm still the board member. Is our program going to continue to have the wild ups and downs that we've seen at times from winning a conference title to winning six games the next year? Or, or are we going to see a little more consistency out of you? Um, my thought process is going to be uh, sustained sustain success. Um, you know, um, I don't want a roller coaster ride. I don't want um, players coming in and leaving. I don't want high turnover. I want the program to be known uh, for doing things right, for doing things, for working hard and for winning. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked before about, about respect and about uh, pressure and, to have pressure means that there's expectations, and that means that people expect you to do well, and that's a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, like last year, obviously, we didn't deal with success very well. That's fine. That's last year. We got to build up on that and, and be better. So. I'm, I'm back to being the host of <laughs> okay. of the second or third best sports radio show on this station. Chet Cublin <laughs> does a really good job with the Daily Show hosted by Sports in Kansas. but And then it's hard for me to say I'm better than Royals broadcasts or anything. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you, you mentioned turnover rate and, and you know keeping players rostered at least through one full year, no high turnover rate. How do you go about that recruiting? And that's a genuine question. I'm not asking for some canned answer because I generally don't know because I maintain anybody who talks about being a college coach, you know, I think your job is more recruiting than it is X's and O's, and the proof from the. The best story I can tell is the Chanute head coach, you, the former Chanute boys basketball head coach, Max Wark, great coach, by the way. Uh, he said he went to, uh, he wanted to get some new tactics, learn some new schemes. So he went to the Neosho County men's basketball practice and wanted to learn their coach's system. And he was like, well, my stuff's already more complicated than this. Mm-hmm. And he goes and tells the Neosho County coach that, and he's like, well, yeah, I just go out and recruit the guys that can execute it. I rec- I try to recruit guys that can just beat yours. And at a JUCO level, there's got to be so many variables. You're, you're either taking a kid that has great issues, that's been overlooked, that just isn't good enough to go to the NCAA four-year level yet, has or, or has some combination of everything of all those things. And a lot of that can lead to high turnover rate. How do you reduce variables in your recruiting and find those kids that not only are good quality junior college kids, but will, will fit the mold of your, that you're preaching of, of less turnover. I think you have to have a real good understanding of, of yourself as a coach, your program, um, get such expectation, uh, explain to them that there's going to be accountability for the expectation. Um, and I, I don't think any kid comes into 
any situation thinking, I'm going to be a, an a-hole here. I'm going to not go to class. I'm just going to quit. Yeah. I'm going to be a jerk. No one does that. <laughs> Things happen and a lot of handle it. Um, I think you have to ask yourself, what's best for the kid? A lot of times the kid does something, and the best thing to do is not just kick him off the team because then they have nothing. They have no more support system. If you really care about the kid, that's not always the best option. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a quote that the, the, the kid who is not embraced by the village will eventually burn it down. You know, hundred percent. You know, if, if Honestly, you're not supporting we're seeing, them, we're we're seeing that in real life. It's true, yeah. To the to the extreme, honestly. I mean, I don't want to get too political or too emotional, but I, I think a lot. And I'm not defending their actions by any means. They're they're evil people, but the evil people that shoot up schools didn't weren't born like that. Right, right. They weren't born destined to do that. They got that way because of how they were treated, not just by their families, but by by their communities over over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's true. And now, and that's an extreme example of what we're talking about. I don't right. mean to tie school shootings <laughs> into junior college basketball, but but I agree with you in the sense that I love that saying of no kid came in, no kids coming into a program thinking I'm going to quit, I'm going to fail, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be an a hole, I'm going to just not. I'm, I'm going to not succeed here. Right. right. Nobody goes no in with that. that mentality. They all go in thinking they're going to be the conference MVP. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's right. And I, I think the biggest thing is relating to the players. I think that's that's helpful with me being in their position, I have been in their position, and understanding that it's it has to be open-door policy. It has to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is on me knowing my players enough to know if they come in the gym and they've had a bad day, a bad mental day, and they're, for whatever reason, they're slowing down and it, most time, coaches just immediately yell at them. You're not, you're not engaged. You're not hooked up, mm-hmm. and they're going through who knows what. You know, and they, they haven't expressed that to you, and that can just lead to to to, to turnover. That can lead to to uh, uneasiness on both sides. So I think the biggest thing is me knowing my guys, uh, them being able to communicate with me what is going on, and us being able to address that before it gets to a point where it's just mm-hmm. you know chaos. I remember I was uh, so I was living with Roddy Magruder uh, at Kansas State, and he was you my dropped roommate. The name and- Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did. Yes, There's yes. a story coming here that's totally that totally is relevant. <laughs> I promise. <Okay. laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, I don't want to. I'm not airing out dirty laundry, but he had a girl that he ended up having a kid with, and everything later in life. He uh, and you know had a very long loving relationship with. Uh, they had a big fight and, and broke up for like two days, but they had a big fight. And again, this is a kid who was a junior in college, so he's not, I mean, he's still young. He's 20. Right. And so, you know, that happens. And then five minutes later, we got to drive and go to practice. Yeah. And so Rodney Magruder, who was an all Big 12 talent, Frank Martin, a coach that's been to multiple Elite Eights and a Final Four later. But, uh, you know, Frank Martin's coaching that practice and known for his intensity, known for being you know, all the way pushed up to 11 all the time. Right. You know, he's screaming at everybody and screaming at Rod, but at one point he came to Rod and was like, what's going on? What's in your head? Why are you not? And now Rod kind of blew him off. And mm-hmm. But I could tell Frank didn't just scream at Rod the rest of the day. It's right. not that like he let him off the hook, but he wasn't going to push him beyond what he needed to at that point. And exactly. even the most intense, point is, even the most intense coaches in the war- in, that I've seen in the world they were good coaches because they followed that tenant that you were just right. Talking and you got to care about the kid in the, the day, you know. And, and 
it's all it's evident if you don't. You know, that it kind of shows in various ways. But mm-hmm. if you care, have any compassion for the kid and want to see him do great, you'll you'll invest that that kind of effort and just to, to know them a little better. I mean, it was also funny when when <laughs> whenever one time I'm and I'm not gonna say who he was yelling at, but one time Frank was just just had it up to here with one kid and you know, everybody's huddled up after practice and he looks at him and he goes don't worry, at the end of, don't worry, when winter break comes, I'm going to take your scholarship and send you to the NAIA. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shout out Sterling College NAIA. <laughs> That's where you want Oh, my goodness. Um, take us through uh, what we can expect from Labette this winter. Uh, what, what are you guys going to look like on the court? You said in the paper you're going to be fast-paced offensively. What does that mean um, to you? I think it, it means quick decisions. Um, I don't want – we're not going to – it's not going to be a lot of ISO, isolation, and a lot of dribbling. It's going to be you catch the ball. Um, I, I'm either going to shoot it, I'm going to pass it, or I'm, I'm going to get a, a teammate open by, by you know, attacking. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be quick decisions, and that's going to – um, hopefully take some kind of guesswork out of your role and what, what you do when the ball comes to you. Uh, hopefully it's ingrained that you're going to do what we, we train you to do. Yeah. Um, but offensively, I think we'll be okay. It's the defensive end that we're really going to hone in on. Um, uh, how – one thing I thought uh, – Jared, I swear, without with the exception of Mo Diallo, who you've had the last few years, I swear, Jared, never, y'all never had the tallest player on the court. Right, right. He, he loved his – he loved his six seven fives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, and there's not again. You guys have a conference title and two recent championship appearances. Who am I to say anything? But do is is your system going to be more four in one out, four out one in heavy? Are you going to be continue to be guard heavy? Do you look for more post post play? That I'm just curious thoughts on that. And it obviously, has to do with who you can get in the building. Exactly right. Um, right now, I'm, I'm focused on best available. I'm not recruiting to a system. I'm not recruiting to any kind of style that I have perceived in my head. Um, I think a good coach will be able to adapt to to the best that their players are able to perform. In. So, if we were a really good shooting team, we're going to shoot the ball more. We're going to have more four out. Yeah, we have a good post player that can get get buckets down low, get to the foul line. We're going to we're going to get inside. Um, but it's going to be a hybrid. It's not going to be predictable. Um, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's it's, it's going to be a, a it's going to be hybrid. I can say that much. It's going to be a- what uh last last thing I got for you really is looking for an assistant. What's that process been like? Um, it's been honestly the <laughs> the last thing I've been focused on. Uh, probably the most important thing maybe, but. <laughs> it, it's been the first thing from mine, uh, and there's an ad out right now for it. Um, that was get the some good funniest t- thing you said in the interview was we need somebody to try the van. This is true. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, um, I know you have experience, Sean. And you, you're a, a D1. Uh, you know, Don't worry. No, man. they just had us drive our own cars to go pick up people from the airport. Like, cool. Right, right. Big 12 program and Sean Fry's having to drive his Kia Rio to Kansas City. <laughs> what are we doing? Right. Um, hopefully, we get some some good um, some good leads out. Some people uh, express interest, and we'll kind of go from there. But um, I'm excited to get that process started too. Eventually, so good deal. You are you happy? Nobody's ever happy. I swear these days. But are you happy that you're the head coach? I am. Did excited. it make you happy? It does make me happy. It's it's I, I, the the responsibility and the levity of it is not lost upon me. Um, people are excited for me, and people are, are I, people are assuming. I, I guess presuming that I'll, I'll do a good job and that's that's a good kind of impression <laughs> to have but um you know i'm ready it means you've made a good impression yeah and your I, expectations are a result of the work you've already put in and the in the established and what you've established right and i, I i'm excited to get going in, in this, you know, 
to see what happens. Good deal. That'll do it here on The War Room. Always great to have Jason Henson here. I'm sure we're going to get to know you a lot more now that you're the head coach. Uh, Jared never came on. I asked him multiple times. He never came on. He refused to do Sundays because that was his day. That's, and that's fine. That, he, that was his day with his family and with God. And I can respect that. What Sean's saying is I'm alone. <laughs> I'm single. So. <laughs> We're gonna, it's going to be fun covering you. I can't wait. This is going to be fun. That'll do it here on The War Room. Thank you for coming in, Coach Henson. Uh, that'll, and I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody stay safe and God bless.